Uh, let's take our Bibles, if you will, and uh, turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter number 11. We begin reading in verse 22. And while you're turning there, I want to read one verse from Exodus chapter number uh, 3, verse number 4. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Underscore that in your minds, and then we'll go to Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Notice this next phrase, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, verse 26, endured as seeing him who is invisible. Invisible. We've been looking at this thought of the children of Israel in their world called Egypt, seeing how that it speaks of you and I in our own environment, our own world. They were in that world, but they were not of that world. Jesus said, we are in the world, but we're not of it. They were hated by the Egyptians. Jesus said, this world hath hated me, it shall hate you. And God performed redemption in that land and brought his people out. And how true it is that the Lord Jesus has come into our world to redeem sinners and to eventually take us out of this world. I'm noticing how they functioned in their world and seeing application as to how you and I live in our world. There have been three things that we've already noticed. We noticed the reality of Egypt. It was a real world. And we notice in our own personal lives that no matter what we go through, That's just life. What you're facing today, what you uh, 
confronted today on whatever level that it was. I don't mean to be indifferent towards you nor myself, but hey, that's, that's life. But thank God in that place called Egypt where they had to live, we found that there seemed to be a preeminent thing that Egypt could not destroy and that was their hope. They had hope. And I'm glad that through these 42 years of being, being able to walk with the Lord, that there is that precious ingredient that has kept me from being miserable in this world, and that is the hope of another world. We also notice that there's not only the reality of Egypt, there's the reason. Why did God leave his youngins in such an adverse Situation. Why does, he, why does he allow us to have to operate under the circumstances that we do in, in our world? And of course the emphasis was that what God was doing was he was using his people to bring heaven down to earth. The songwriter said heaven came down. And when heaven comes down, it, it comes down into the hearts of God's people. And uh, heaven is doing, uh, it, it, God is doing a heavenly work uh, in, in earthly vessels, in a place that is called Egypt. Uh, we find some divine characteristics that are there. And boy, aren't you glad for those, uh, that, that earnest of the inheritance. Aren't you glad for those heavenly factors that the Lord gave to us down here to get us through this world? A little heaven to go to heaven in. And then last night we, we sort of emphasized that in Egypt there is not only reality and reason, there is, thank God, some relief. In other words, there's not only hope, there's not only heaven in Egypt, but thank God there's some help not far from you. There is some help. And we really actually concluded that when we get to looking at Joseph, when we get to looking at Moses, when we get to looking at, at Jochebed and, and, uh, and uh, Moses' father, and we, we get to look into the, at the children of Israel leaving out with those wagons full of gold and silver, the children carrying it, that really, really it wasn't supposed to be that good. But the Lord somehow showed them favor in the midst of that adverse. And how that the Lord wants us to not go through life just thinking about the bad, the evil, the dark, but, uh, but to be able to enjoy the favor that he shows us even in this old world. He gives us, thank God, some help. And I don't know about you, but after, after 42 years of walking with the Lord, I just want to report and say, you know, it wasn't supposed to be this good. <laughs> I got no complaints. It wasn't supposed to be this good. When you think about where I come from, the old songwriter, the songwriter said, if you could go where I once was, if you could go with me, and, 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 and if you could see, uh, I'm going to tell you, you, you'd realize that, uh, oh, I'm going to tell you, it's turned out a whole lot better for this old boy than what it should have. And uh, hasn't it for you? Yes, yes. 
I'm sure Moses' mama, while she's a rocking Moses, she tears is a flow, and she's saying, Amram, it shouldn't have been this good. <laughs> God's been good. And then mamas and daddies carrying all that gold out of Egypt. They said, honey, it wasn't supposed to be this good. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that I can report to you the Lord has been good to me in spite of me being in this world. Hadn't he been good to you? But we want to take a step further tonight. And I want to emphasize those two little clauses, two little phrases there. Esteeming the reproaches of Christ, greater riches, and then endured as seeing him who is invisible. And here I want to notice uh, not the reality, the reason, the relief, but I want to emphasize the revelation that is in Egypt. In other words, if your eyes can be opened, if you can see as God would have you to see, there is something to see down there. There is a revelation from God. There is a sight that is to be beheld. And the Lord wants us, He wants us to behold it. He wants us to see it. And uh, I want to emphasize this matter of, of seeing, but, but what I want to emphasize seeing is in verse, again, uh, verse number 27, for he endured as seeing him. Isn't that amazing? That down in Egypt, way down in Egypt, and I'm going to emphasize this in my thoughts, I'll just throw it at you right now. Moses bumped in to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? And I'm just, I'm just flabbergasted that in that world that was not made up for such a heavenly one as Christ that he would show up. But yet on the other hand, he'll never send his people but what to a place but what he won't go himself. And you do know physically he spent a few years down there right after his birth, as they fled uh, for his life. But he knew what Egypt was all about. And uh, Moses saw him down there, and the emphasis, the emphasis that I want you to behold, uh, and I want you to see is that, is that if, if Christ could show up in, in the Egypt, the world in which the children of Israel lived in so many thousand years ago, you reckon maybe he came by your house today? You think maybe he's been at the hospital or maybe down at the rest home? Uh, he's been anywhere you've been or did you see him? Did you miss him? Uh, sad to say some folks went to church tonight looking for Jesus and walked all over top of him all day. He's been wherever you've been. But you're going to have to see him. Which means you're going to have to get your eyes off Pharaoh, you're going to have to get your eyes off the taskmasters. You're going to have to get your eyes off the world horizontally that you live in if you're going to be able to see him. I like the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look at him full in the face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And can I suggest to you, and you know it well, that on the days that you run into Jesus, 
The biggest thing that will happen to you is that you ran into Jesus. <laughs> and it will lift you above all the other things that have transpired in your life for that day because Jesus showed up on your behalf. And how important it is that we see him among the living and in the world in which we live on our street, in our home, on the job where we live. The scripture emphasizes it so much. I was thinking about the book of the Revelation. You, so many people read the book of the Revelation, all they come up with is demons and devils and beasts and horses and all that other stuff, and I know that's all in there. But honey, that's not the revelation of the Antichrist or the revelation of the false prophet or the revelation. It's the revelation of Christ. If you read the book of the Revelation, you don't see Jesus. You've missed the main event. But we see Jesus, Hebrews 2.9, Hebrews 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. This is all a matter, yes, we are in this world, but while we're here, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just saw him? Sometime we just... Well, let me ask you this. When's the last time you saw him? When's the last time you saw through that difficulty beyond that circumstance, over that situation? When was the last time that you came out of that with joy in your soul because you said, guess what? I saw Jesus. Oh, how wonderful it would be if in our world, in our Egypt, we could see him. Now, I want to mention just three ways in which they were privileged to see Christ in Egypt and also in which you and I are privileged to see Christ in our world and in our situation. First of all, I want to emphasize that this, this is not a figment of Moses' imagination. This is not a dream that he's having after eating garlic and onions. The truth of the matter is Moses, Moses was introduced to the person of Christ in Egypt. The truth of the matter is if all you've got is creeds and doctrines, and even a little book that's black and white, and that's all that's carrying you through life, honey, it's going to be a rough road. Because this thing's more than just about creeds and doctrines and teachings and things of that. This thing is about you and I personally knowing Christ in our world here. And if you don't meet Him here, you don't want to meet Him there. But I'm glad that it's possible to know Him and to know Christ personally. Personally. He has made it so to where He will come into your world and introduce Himself to you no matter where your world is. No matter what it is made up of. 
He comes in person and He manifests Himself to your heart so that you may see and know that He is there with you and for you. What an encouragement it is. What a blessing it is to see the person of Christ. Somebody said, well, how could Moses have known Christ personally? Well, Jesus said... uh, Your father Abraham said he rejoiced to see my day. He said to the Pharisees, and he saw it. So evidently Abraham ran into him. Those pre-incarnate appearances of Christ, he was not confined to the New Testament. He was eternal. He is God. And in Acts chapter number 7 verse 37, Stephen said this, This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear. And he goes on to say that that prophet, of course, was none other than Christ. So Moses is introduced to the reality of the person of Christ. And it seems to be like that that his whole being in Egypt is a Christ-centered one. It becomes one that is focused on Christ. He has his rod. Yes, he does. Uh, He has his miracles. Yes, he does. Uh, But he said, if you want to know how I got through, he said, I got through seeing him who is invisible. <laughs> I'm glad we got our church. I'm glad that we've got our, our the saints. I, I, I'm glad that we've got our, our teachings. Our doc- I'm glad we've got all of that. But honey, if you want to know how I'm getting through here, I'm getting through by seeing him <laughs> who is invisible. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. He's in Egypt. And he's, he's focusing on Christ. And I'm going to tell you something. If Christ was the preeminent one in Moses' Egypt, don't you know as God's children, he ought to be the preeminent one where you're at. And if he's not, that's where all the problem is. I know that our world is falling apart and it's supposed to. It's a sinking ship. God did not come to spare this world. He came to save sinners. And, and thank God as He has saved you, Christ is to be the heart of the journey. I'm just getting started. But I notice this, notice this phrase of this Christ-centered life in Egypt. A Christ-centered life in Egypt. <laughs> and don't let that overthrow you. Go to the book of Daniel and you'll find out that Daniel had a Christ-centered life also. He said, King, I saw one as a stone cut out of the mountains without hands and come down and wipe this whole earth out. Huh? King said, well, I was three, and now there's four. Who's that other one? Oh, I said, I think that's Jesus in there. How the Lord can become preeminent in, in impossible places. 
And that's what he wants to do. He wants to show up in your little world and become the center of it. Because it's all about him anyway. No matter where you're at. But I'm, I'm interested in that. He said, seeing him who is invisible. I'm thinking about the person of Christ. I would phrase it this way, the who that is the him. The who that is the him. Not just because of the way this is phrased right here, it's because I read it throughout the scripture, this matter of the who that is. Think about this. Colossians 1.15, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whatever. But it's the who that is the him in creation that matters. If you go all the way back to creation, creation is Christ-centered. God made it so. The who that is the him of satisfaction. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. The who that is the him of glorification. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him. Uh, the, the who that is the him of salvation. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. <laughs> you see that? The who that is the him. He's the center of creation, of the satisfaction of God, of glorification, of salvation. And even in our text of preservation, seeing Him who is invisible. Let me emphasize it this way, and then I'll go on to the next thought. On the human level, as we look into the Egyptian world, it seems as though that everybody wants to ponder, and this is true in your world and my world. It's, 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 what, it's, it's the big issues of the day as we listen to the news media. If you read the newspaper, turn on the television. Everybody's dealing with this. They're dealing with what? What? Everybody's asking, well, what? What do we do? What? What, what's going to be done? What, what do you think is going to happen? What? And then they're asked, they'll deal with when. When did that happen? Or when is it going to happen? When do you think it's going to happen? When? And then they'll go to asking all the questions about where. And then they ask, the, the, one of the main questions is how? Well, everybody's writing books on that. How <laughs> to books. Yeah. Even that we've gotten to it in the Christian realm. And you go to so-called Christian bookstores and everything's in there is on how to. How to be a better you. I always thought you was the problem. I don't know if being a better you is going to help anybody. But isn't it true? Everybody's trying to give everybody else answers on everything and all the questions that are being asked. And there are a multi-billions of questions. Everybody's searching what, when, where, how, and then the big one is why. Well, we all do that, don't we? But isn't it amazing that none of that solves the problem? And you never come to the conclusion of the matter? Because he's not interested in the, in the, in the what, when, where, how, and why. He's interested in you seeing the who. 
Because the who is the him that will settle all the what, when, where, hows, and whys of your life. Isn't that the truth? And Moses, how are you going to get us out of here? What are we going to do about Pharaoh? What in the world is out of... I said, all I know is the who that is the him will take care of everything here in Egypt. And isn't that what, isn't that what Job expressed? With all of the devastation in his family, with his ten children, his camels, his, 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 I mean, the devastation that he faced down there. Now, these four boys that thought they knew all the what, when, where, how, and why about it. They sat down, you know, his friends. Now, Job, we'll tell you what, and we'll tell you how, and this must be why. But you know, Job never did have an answer to that, but he never did even seek an answer for that, and God never did give him an answer for that. But while he did not know how, what, when, where, and why, he said in chapter number 19, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And at the latter day, he shall stand upon the earth, and the worms devour this body, yet in my flesh shall I see him. He said, uh, I'm just focusing on him. And he becomes the answer. As a matter of fact, he brings you to the place that you don't need an answer. Huh? Why? Because you've been introduced to the person Moses saw in Egypt. The person of Christ. Now, the second thing that I want to emphasize to you is not only this matter of the person of Christ that Moses sees, that, that he's introduced to, endured as seeing him, but they saw Christ in Egypt in the preaching. Aren't you glad that Jesus shows up in person? Old preacher back in the mountains of North Carolina just was in a Bible conference here a while back, and he, he, was, he stood up and testified about 80 years old, and his wife is getting very feeble. And uh, it's a burden to him to see her suffer. And he said, I got in my car, and he was crying, and he said, I was just driving. I had to go to the, to the uh, pharmacy and get some medicine. And said, I, I said, Lord, you're just going to have to help me. You, you're going to have to help me with this circumstance. And said, Lord, would you help do you really care? And he said, I pulled up to a red light. And he said, while I was there, he said, waiting on that light to change, he said, a little old wren flew down and landed on the windshield wiper blade on the side where his wife always sits. <laughs> and he said, that little bird rested there. And he said, the Lord said to him, I just want you to know that if I can take care of this little bird, I can take care of you and your wife. Isn't that a blessing? If you can see him who is invisible. But not only did he see him in his person, but they, they saw him in the preaching. I read to you, of course, in uh, Exodus chapter number 3 where, where the Lord said to Moses... Well, let me just put it this way. Moses' life was divided up, everybody knows, into three 40-year segments. 
The first 40 years, Moses lived in the... While he's in Egypt, he lived in the I can segment of his life. He was trained in all the skills and knowledge and wisdom of Egypt. And the Bible, Stephen said that Moses supposed that the children of Israel would know that he was to deliver them. But after all, if anybody could do it, surely he could do it. He had all the qualifications and the teachings and the certificates and the training and the knowledge. And he even went out there by his own self-effort and and slew that Egyptian and tried to start the process, but it fell all apart. He spent those 40 years building up a confidence of saying, I can, and when he got to the place of where he just almost knew he could do it, God wouldn't help him. You see, God's not interested in helping you in your mess. He's not interested in coming in on what you're doing. And so Moses moved to the backside of the desert. He spends the next 40 years and segment of his life, and he moves into the realm of I can't. You remember when the Lord came to him and said, Okay, Moses, it's time. Let's go get him. He said, I can't. Man, I can't do that. Matter of fact, that guy had a lot of them forgot their language. I can't even talk. He moved from I can to I can't. Now, I understand that neither one of them is any good in getting anything done. I can is going to mess things up, and I can't just not going to do it. But I'd really have, rather have an I can't than an I can. Because at least an I can't is, is, is not going to mess it up in, in the sense of the word of getting involved in stuff. But God shows up in the last 40 years of his life. And when Moses is saying, I can't, I can't, God said to him, Moses, this matter of delivering the children of Israel is not in the I can. You failed there, and thank God he did fail. Could you imagine how terrible it would have been if somehow he could have convinced the children of Israel and somehow in his own efforts could have got them out there to the Red Sea? Then what's he going to do? And if it had got across the Red Sea, what's he going to do? How do you feed all them people? How do you water all them people? You can't do that in your own strength. And so the Lord said to him, Moses, it's not in the I can, it's not in the I can't. I've got a message for you that I want you to take down there and it'll work. You tell them it's the I am that is going to do this. And when Moses entered into Egypt, he said to Pharaoh, I am has sent me. He told the children of Israel, he said, I am. And everything he did, he did in the name of the eternal self-existent one, the I am. That was the message. Well, hey, since we're on the subject, who is the I am? Huh? Huh? (laughs) I say to you, you can see Jesus in his person, but you can also see him in his preaching. I'm glad for preaching that doesn't deal with uh, temporary, contemporary matters 
politics and all that other stuff. I'm glad that when we come to the house of God, we can open that book and every page of that book points to Him. And the message is always about the I Am. You say, well, what about all these problems? Don't you think we ought to just get up there and deal with them? You can't do nothing about it. What's Moses going to do? Get a legislation together? Try to vote Pharaoh out? Huh? Or get a law passed of where it ain't as bad in Egypt as it has been? No, honey, it ain't going to turn out that way. I'm going to tell you one thing that will help. One thing will do the job. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the vine. He said, I am the I am. That will be sufficient for everything that happens to you in your world. One of those I am's will meet the need wherever you're at and with whatever you're going through. I am. You see, he he shows up in the preaching. He shows up in person. But then can I emphasize to you lastly, he shows up, Christ, the who that is the him which is the revelation of God for Egypt. But not only the revelation of God for Egypt, the revelation of God for, for Babylon. But not only the revelation of God for Babylon, but the revelation of God for Jerusalem. But not only the revelation of God for Jerusalem, but the revelation of God for the whole world and for you where you're at and whatever you're going through. The one that you need to see the most is Christ. Seeing him in the preaching, seeing him in person. But you know, I noticed that in Egypt we see Christ very vividly in the people. He's everywhere. Listen, listen, I am. You can hear him. See him as he shows up on your behalf. But you know, one of the things that I love, I love, me and my wife love crossing the country is running into precious people that you can look into their eyes and tell that they've been spending some time with Him. And you see Christ in them. And nothing will help you any more than to be in someone else's presence that's been in His presence. Because they'll encourage you to get into his presence. Think about it. We're in Egypt. And the one character that reminds us the most of Christ, they tell us, is Joseph, right? Over 100 ways he is a type of Christ. How in the world does he... Does he reveal Christ so much in his life? It's through his experiences in Egypt. 
It's God allowing, as we've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son, it's God allowing this old world to cut and carve and mold and make and burn and sear uh, us into the image of Christ. We don't realize it, but all of that pounding and all of that heat and all that temptation and all those trials is to get you to where others can see Him. It's not going to do this world any good to see Baptist or to see Methodist or to see Presbyterian or to see preachers or to see deacons or to see Sunday school teachers. I'm going to tell you the only thing that's going to help this world is when they see the who that is the him alive in your life. The whole reason he's got us here is so others can see him in us. That's a process of which God allows this world to work on us in our Egypt. Now think about it. Joseph, over 100 ways, if I mention them with all, well, it'd take too long. But think about it. He was hated by his brethren, was he not? Jesus came to his own, his own received him not. He was sold for 20 pieces of silver. Christ was sold for 30 pieces of silver. He was lied on. That's what led to his imprisonment. Christ was lied on at the trials before his crucifixion. And then they took Joseph and put him in an old dark hole. They called it prison. But they took Jesus and they put him in an old dark hole. They called it a tomb. But as you well know, Joseph was brought out of that tomb. He was lifted and given a name above every other name in Egypt. As he sat on the right hand of the king in all of his glory. And Jesus was brought out of his tomb given a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess to the glory of God. Joseph is so much like Jesus. But how did that happen? (laughs) Through the processes of Egypt. Through the painstaking processes of Egypt. Can I say to you that what is taking place, and yes, I have said it, I know, and we've heard it, that that, that's just life, and that is just life. But hey, in the midst of just living life, God is forming His Son in you. Because He wants to make you in the image of Christ and use you as the revelation of Christ, before sinners in this world. And if sinners ever see Christ, they they won't see Him so much in a picture. They won't see Him in a cloud that's going to change their minds. But I'm going to tell you, where every sinner sees Jesus that makes a difference in their lives, it's in somebody else's life. In somebody else's life. They see No, I'm talking about seeing Jesus in the people. How precious that is. 
that you're not just wasting your time down here. And all of those aches and pains are not they're, they're not in vain, but you're being invited into the fellowship of his suffering so that you could know him in a way and then reveal him in a way that only your pain and suffering could reveal him. Did you know that you can know Christ in his suffering? That's what Paul said. In a way that you can't know him in any other sense. For instance, let's talk about his blessings. Has he not blessed us? We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But, but you know, you can't get close to Christ talking about your blessings. Because you know what Paul used the word fellowship. You know what the word fellowship means? It means to have something in common. Fellowship. Well, do you know that while Christ has blessed you with all these blessings, He's blessed you with what He did not bless Himself with. Yes, He would take bread and feed the multitude, but He wouldn't turn a rock into bread and feed Himself. Yes, He would give you a place to lay your head down at night, but the foxes had holes and the birds of the air had nests, but He didn't have anywhere to put His head. He has blessed you and me with things that he did not allow and afford himself. So you can't, you can't know him through those blessings. You can thank him and praise him. And you should, but you can't know him because you don't have anything to fellowship. The, the fellowship is all one-sided. It's not fellowship. It's not fellowship. And you can come into Christ's presence and you can say, Lord, a pastor can come into his presence and say, Lord, I want to thank you for my flock and I thank you for my church. I I thank you for that 150 that was there, 200 on Sunday morning. And the Lord would say, well, I'm glad you're you're thankful, but I I had 12 and they sort of left out on me. I don't know much about that. Say, so, Lord, I want to thank you for the house you've given me and that bed that I lay in. Say, well, I'm glad you're thankful for it, but I, I never did. I really, I'm sorry, but I don't know anything about that. I never did have a bed. To, I never had a house. He can't, he can't relate to you on that level. He's blessed you more than he blessed himself. But I'm going to tell you what you can do. You can get down by your bed and say, Lord, I'm going to tell you the temptations of life are about overwhelming. He said, I know all about that. Let's talk about it, son. Say, but Lord, it seems like my family's turned their back on me. He said, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I know all about that. And you can fellowship with him in his sufferings. And then as a result of that, others can see him in a greater way in you. So what it is, is it's an honor to suffer for Christ because he's making you like himself as he did Joseph and as he did Moses. And somebody said, well, why did he make Abraham offer his son upon that mountain? I'm going to tell you why. Because God Almighty offered his son before the foundation of the world and he wanted at least one person that knew what it was like. And he never had anybody he could fellowship with about the, the death of his son until when, when uh, Abraham went up and drew that knife back, he just as well had killed that boy had it not been for the angel of the Lord. And from that day forward, God knew a heart that knew his heart because they were one and the same. They both offered their son. 
Joseph said, yeah, I know what them dungeons are like. Jesus said, yeah, I do too. Joseph said, I know what it's like to be hated by your brothers. Jesus said, Joseph said, I know what it's like to be sold for silver. Jesus said, I do too. Seeing him and the people and what they, what they experience in real life brings Christ to life. Moses is a picture of Christ. He's that, he's that, that destined son. He's that delivering son. And on and on you could go how that he is a picture of Christ. And, and, and there are many ways in which Moses, but every bit of it took place in Egypt. Now, hey, children, this old world needs to see Jesus. And may you and I volunteer to be those Josephs and those Moseses and those Aarons and those Joshuas and those Calebs that somehow through whatever we have to go through in this world, others catch a glimpse of J. Wilbur Chapman, great evangelist, 1900, right in there. I read where he said uh, he went into this restaurant to eat, and a young lady seated him. He hadn't been seated long until she reappeared with tears in her eyes. And she said to him, Sir, I hope I'm not disturbing you. But if you don't mind, I'd like to tell you a little about my life. He said, well, go ahead. She said, when I was a little girl, I can remember six years old, five, seven, somewhere in there, that my mama used to take me on her lap and she'd rock me and sing songs to me about a man by the name of Jesus. She said, my mama died and I was placed in the foster homes across my part of the country. And she said, from that day to this, I, I, I never heard those songs again. I never heard anybody talk about him. I never was. She said, to be honest with you, I never thought about him. But said, when you walk through that door, the first thought come to my mind is you remind me of that man my mama sang to me about. And she said, I just wondered, do you know him? And he said, it was a privilege of mine and the greatest day in my life because somebody saw Jesus in me and I was able to point her to Christ. I hope people see more than a preacher. I'm glad to be one. I hope they see more than just a, quote, minister, a Baptist. May God take all of the trials and tribulations and the, 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 the poundings and cuttings and the moldings and makings and somehow, somehow before I get out of this world may somebody sense Christ in my life. And may this be a place where sinners when they come in yea, even saints the first thing they realize is we're in the presence of Christ is in his people. He is in 
is this place.